Welcome to Small Talk with Raincraft. I'm Subha, a leadership and executive coach. And I'm Hasita. I'm a marketing strategist. We're just two people who love to talk. And love to learn. And this is us being curious about the world around us. Join us. Welcome Small Talkers. Today, we have Shailaja Vishwana, a content strategist and business coach. Through her venture, Intentional and Creative Business, Shailaja helps bloggers, writers, business owners and creators build an organic audience for their work. With over 13 years of experience in the digital space, Shailaja ran a very popular parenting blog and now, along with gentle productivity tips for intentional living, she is empowering a lot of small businesses as they tackle the challenges of being online and running a business. Hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi, Shailaja. Welcome to Small Talk. So happy to have you here. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. I've really been looking forward to this because I'm an ardent follower of all your content on social and I've been really looking forward to bringing you to our listeners today. Thank you. That really makes me feel happy. Thank you. I'm going to start with a question and the answer to this, I think, will set the foundation for our conversation. You have been in the content development space for more than close to two decades now. (laughs) I guess so, yes. About 15 years. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Okay, okay. So, who is Shailaja today? And how is she different from Shailaja of, let's say, five, six years back? And even the Shailaja of one year back? So, if I were to talk about the difference in my journey, I would say there's been a lot of small things at the time which have kind of snowballed into very significant changes in terms of how I approach my business, how I approach the idea of content creation, how I approach blogging itself. And I would say five years ago, six years ago, this was before I actually launched my business. I was just a parenting blogger. I I I should not say just, I was a parenting blogger about everything to do with parenting, bringing up my daughter, life lessons. And all of that content is still there on my website. I've not removed any of it. But around uh, four years ago, I had this inclination to shift gears to some extent. There was a point in my life where I felt that I've learned a lot through the blogging space. Plus what I had learned as part of my job, I was an editor for an online website. And I felt that I could marry both these things and move back into coaching. Because prior to blogging, which was something I started in 2007, I was a trainer. So I used to train students for competitive exams like the MBA, the CAT, the GMAT, the GRE. And I really missed that kind of social interaction that I would have with people in terms of learning from each other teaching them what I knew and, you know, getting the benefit of the feedback in that sense. So I felt coaching would be able to bridge that gap. So I would continue creating content, but I would also be able to teach other people how to create content. And that's how it all started. So four years ago, when I jumped into the the business space of coaching and getting people to understand the idea of content and content creation, social media presence and all of it, I have to be honest, I kind of really jumped into the deep end. So, and I found myself floundering because there was so much out there in terms of what should I focus on? Should I have an email list? Should I be working on SEO? Should I be doing Pinterest? Should I be on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn? So it became a question of 
where am i going to suspend my attention and where am i going to really you know let things go and as a type a person or as a recovery type a person now i should say <laughs> i really wanted to be the best at everything wanted to make sure that i was perfect at pinterest perfect at facebook perfect at seo and all of it and let's face it that's just not possible i mean if people are perfect at all of it they probably having a team behind them helping them in yeah. some way or the other and about a year and a half ago i would say i was at this point in my business where i felt that i was too overwhelmed and i felt that maybe it's time to either shutter the business or think about taking it in a new direction mm-hmm. and that was when i came across a lot of valuable content in the shape of my own coach or george cow and kind of concepts he started talking about which is a very different approach to content very different approach to marketing and a very heart based and authentic approach to connecting with people and i really resonated with it because this was the reason i actually started the business is just that following all of these other what i call mainstream marketing strategies i'd lost my way so finding my way back to who i authentically am and who i can originally be in terms of how i can help other people in a similar boat is what brought me back to coaching the way it should be so today the shailaja of today as you asked is somebody who takes a very relaxed and a stress free approach to content creation social media or digital presence i am in fact what i call a digital minimalist i i barely use any apps on my phone most of my content work happens on the laptop and only at set times of the day and there is no stress there is no worry about where the next paycheck is going to come from where the next client is going to come from there's a gentle rhythm that has fallen into place and there's a kind of trust in the universe if i can put it that way which i feel has really helped me be a little more comfortable with this idea of both having it as a business and having it as a content creation platform and i think that calmness really comes out in everything that you share right whether it's a blog post or whether it's a newsletter or just a simple instagram post right i think that's what really brings a lot of us to follow you and what are you doing because we are all maybe still a few steps behind in that type a who's not yet let go of so many things and is trying to figure out that i've also as a small business owner started about 6 uh, years ago made these mistakes right jumped into every platform thought i need to be present everywhere at some point you're just copy pasting or replicating your content on all platforms just to be present and then a new platform comes up and you're like oh god now what do i do what do i do differently <laughs> because i'm just saying the same thing hoping to attract different people and that won't work so i think definitely i've seen the change that your content has taken in terms of what you're sharing the calmness and the very gentle pace at which you encourage all of us to embrace social digital content because end of the day yes we do need to be out there a little bit how much we can each decide but uh, we most of us are not evolved enough to stay away from it i think the situation here is you don't have to stay away from it as long as it's serving you as a tool and not as a distraction i think people need to find that level of comfort that they have with it see for, for some people spending 2 hours on social media is an actual job where they they could be social media managers they could be managing their clients accounts 
So for them, it's not a distraction because they're creating the content, they're creating the graphics, they're writing out the captions, they're researching their their niche mates, and they're putting it all out there. So for them, it's more like I have a list of things to do, let me get it done and then let me move on. Because for them, they're using it as a business. And that's what I'm trying to tell people. So as a solo business owner, if you are handling your own content and you don't have a social media manager, and you only have the one account to manage, you don't need to be present on the platform five hours a day, six hours a day. You need to be there maybe 15 minutes a day in the morning where you post one piece of content and then maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes later in the day or even the next day when you get back and respond to comments. So that's the rhythm that I recommend, especially for solo entrepreneurs and small business owners who manage their own content, who are putting out their own content, connecting with their audience on a one-on-one basis. This is a more comfortable rhythm that I find people will be able to adapt to their own situations. And it probably lends itself to a lot more authentic content, right? Because you're there when you are in a mind space to be there. You're on social media because you're, you've set that time, you've thought about it, you know what you're going to do. So what you're sharing also naturally becomes something that you enjoy a little more and, and more authentic by itself. Exactly. In fact, one of the things I tell my clients is I ask them to separate the art of creation from the art of posting. You don't have to post everything the minute it pops into your head. That's the problem with, or rather that is the challenge that social media presents because it gives you that sense of instant validation. It gives you that sense of instant feedback. And so we can get addicted to that. So my recommendation to my clients is separate creation from posting. So create every single day, create whenever the inspiration strikes you. You know, you may be going on a walk, an idea will hit you. Just quickly stop and, you know, jot down the idea. Or you could be cooking and something could strike you. You you just have to pick up your phone, drop a quick note to say, this is what I want to expand upon. So that's creation. And then posting with intention is when you've had time to reflect on the idea and you want to really think about how you want to present it. And how can you present it in such a way that it isn't just self-serving, but it is serving your audience? I think that is the beauty of intentional posting. So we are not just blindly posting. One of the reasons I don't post very often on Instagram stories is this particular reason, because it doesn't lend itself to intentionality. Stories by its nature are built into that ethos and that fabric of 24 hours. So it's it's a timed, it's a limited format. And so people are tempted to, you know, post every waking thought. So the idea is how do we train the brain to understand that that isn't necessary. You don't have to post everything the minute it pops into your head. Rather, say, take your time with it, reflect on it, see if it is useful, see if it will benefit somebody else. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be yourself. You can, of course, be yourself. It's just that adding that little layer of intention before you put something out there really enhances your appreciation of both the content creation process and the content posting process. So you don't feel that, okay, I'm on social media 24-7 or I'm on social media all the time, posting, 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 and nobody is responding. So you have that space, as I call it to allow a piece of content to kind of find its legs, let people discover it, let people discuss it, let people get back to you with any questions. So it gives that space, which is extremely important, I feel, for all of us, especially in the digital era, because most of us don't allow ourselves that time to just sit still and not do anything. 
social media and technology by default and i'm talking about handheld technology so anything which you basically carry around in your pocket by default brings in the understanding or the implication that you have to be always connected always online and it is up to you to say i'm going to take a different path i'm not going to follow the dictum of what the technology giants or the social media platforms are expecting of so i think that's very important now makes a lot of sense and this is a very very common struggle that i hear from fellow entrepreneurs in any kind of whatsapp group of women running their own businesses or solopreneurs this is a very real challenge that i have a business to run and then i need to put information about it out there right i have to create build that brand i have to market myself i have to market the products that i'm making and that sucks away so much time and energy because it's seen as a huge task and a huge chore that is distracting them from the core business and it also tends to bring you down that oh god i'm spending 4 hours a day on this i'm still not getting results it's 4 hours that i've taken out of what i should be doing for my core business but i need to be here what do i do and then i'll see frantic messages for does anyone know a social media manager does anyone know who can help me create content because it's become this uh, huge mountain that needs to somehow be crossed on a daily basis that's the challenge isn't it see the problem is social media by its very nature implies that speed is of the essence when it actually isn't the case i always ask people to remember how it was when they started learning any subject for the very first time or any skill for the very first time it is practically impossible for you to become an expert by day 30 after starting a skill from scratch you cannot become an expert at say playing the guitar in 30 days you cannot i mean unless you're a gifted prodigy who's kind of born with the guitar it's just impossible you have to go through the steps you have to learn the chords you have to know the placement of the fingers you have to know how to pluck the strings you have to know all of those basics before you can even hope to string a tune together then comes the idea of putting a song together and then a performance and then gaining mastery of a level beyond what you what you can anticipate so I, the only reason i tell people not to worry so much about timelines is because all of these timelines are artificially created and the unfortunate thing is most of the so called success stories that we see online are only of people who have managed something out of the box it's that one instant incident of going viral or that one incident of one particular post taking off but it isn't consistent that is the first challenge the second thing that i tell people is you don't know about all the back story that has happened related to that particular person's success you don't know how many failed businesses that person has had before you don't know how much of a network that person has already built thanks to an existing business or a previous business so they're using all of that leverage to get them to where they are today so if you compare somebody else's 150th step to your first step it's always going to be a situation of you trying to play catch up and you're always going to fall behind whereas if i say i'm perfectly happy being at step number 10 and i'm going to do what step number 10 expects me to do and not what step number 150 is right now and i think that's the most important thing so when i teach my clients especially a lot of them i want all of them are solo business owners they don't have a team they don't have a social media manager they don't have people handling anything themselves i tell them i'm giving you all these tools but i don't want you to tackle all of them at once because that's setting yourself up for failure 
so the idea of the tools is they're all present in front of you so you decide what you're going to start with i liken it to walking into say a test kitchen for the first time let us say you go into a test kitchen to attend a class on cooking and you see all this array of or knives and chopping boards and blenders and everything laid out in front of you you're not going to be picking up all of it at the same time isn't it you're going to ta- start by maybe i don't know slicing an onion maybe and then if it is a chef who's helping you become a chef one of the things a chef is supposed to do well is chop onions fast and not just chop it fast should we chop it fine and you know it, and and i remember one particular chef talking about this in a video said so, you know, the way you chop an onion for a recipe is extremely specific So how you chop an onion for say amritsari chole is very different from how you would chop it for an omelet because of the finesse that is required in each of these things is a very distinct quality so you cannot expect to become an expert in chopping onions three different ways on the very first day even if you were to become an expert you would still have to practice it 5 to 10 to 15 times to get it at the same level of speed and skill that the head chef is teaching you So that is what I tell people who ask me how do I ensure that I can sit back and relax and let the work speak for itself so you have to put in some amount of effort at the beginning yes but not so much that you're pushing yourself to the brink of burnout or overwhelm because that's defeating the purpose of actually being in a digital space I think uh, for us it is not only trying to learn how to chop the onion three different ways but also expecting that 50 100 200 people will clap for us and like what we did and say that we did a really good job exactly that's so, a, that's a fantastic way of cutting the onions isn't it if you want yeah so i agree because and as somebody who has been on social media for the last 12 14 years now well to hope 12 years now actually it took a long time for me to completely let go of the sense of validation and i've realized that but all of the tricks and hacks that you read online which says let go of validation but i believe that the only absolute way will happen when you are ready to let go of it in other words that intention to let go has to come from within and the intention to let go will come when you find something more fascinating than social media validation so for people who want to break free from the validation principle i tell them to find something that gives them unimaginable joy outside of work so it could be something as simple as you know sitting and reading a book just sitting and reading an entire book cover to cover in the space of a day is something that even if you don't share it on social media it's a sense of feeling of success that you have which is solely for yourself or writing an entire blog post of 2000 words or 5000 words which will ultimately give you far more than validation it will send the right kind of clients your way it will send the right kind of people your way and it will kind of affix your authority in the digital space as a person worth following social media is fleeting so i may get 100 likes on a particular post today but 3 days later nobody's going to remember that post they'll say oh she wrote about something related to habits or walking or books <laughs> it was something i remember But, the, but that's the thing about social media isn't it so social media has this tendency to make it seem very important right then and there and that's the that's the pleasure principle so how do we move away from the pleasure principle and start building in the delayed gratification principle and i tell people it's very simple so think about reading a book versus reading a social media status update or you know studying for a test and scoring well and that general feeling of achievement 
over how many comments you bought on your last Instagram post. So, where is that sense of lasting joy? And find that sense of lasting joy outside of the digital world because it's only when we start doing that we can actually let go of what I call as the spencer grip of technology. Otherwise, it's always going to be there. And then these platforms are just getting more and more manipulative, if I can use that word, in how how they engage with us, right? Instagram said, oh, we won't show you the likes because we know that may help some of you. We'll tell you that you've spent 30-40 minutes on Instagram. We'll remind you. And then now they've added likes to stories. Right? <laughs> now, one more place where you're chasing numbers, chasing followers, chasing that instant gratification. So it's a never-ending chase and it's best to step away as in exactly and that is one of the reasons when i teach my social media strategy to my clients i tell them to focus on that which endures and not that which is fleeting or trending or viral so this is one reason i don't do instagram reels at all i know there are a lot of people who do reels in a very tasteful manner they convey a lot of value-based content i'm not denying any of this but one of the reasons on principle that i do not do reels or anything which says I should follow trend and jump on a bandwagon is because I feel it takes away the value from the messaging itself. So especially of late in my last, I think, eight weeks or 10 weeks of Instagram related posts, I've deliberately kept pictures of myself out of the equation. Because Instagram, by definition, allows the algorithm to pick up pictures of people, pets, anything which looks attractive in any uh, and kind of promotes that. So my objective is to move away from that and say, what if I decided not to show my face, put a picture of myself or put anything on a, on a personal note anywhere, but only focus on the messaging. So will that impact my engagement? And see, I'm a person who likes to experiment. I, I keep experimenting with no, with no, fear of the, <laughs> with no fear of the consequences, right? And what has happened is, the messaging has continued to stay, has continued to reach the right kind of people. I have not done anything. And one of the things I don't do is I don't tell people to follow me. I don't tell people to save this post for later. I don't tell people to share this if it resonated with them. Because all of this implies that the reason I'm posting this piece of content is because I'm expecting something from you in return. The reason I am posting Instagram content is because I found it useful for me and I hope it will be useful for you. That's it. There is no hidden agenda. There is no manipulation, if I can put it that way. My objective is I learned something, I found it useful, I want to share it with you. That's it. End of story. And there's a beautiful article called Psychology of Why We Share on social media. I'll probably send you the link so you can add it to the show notes later. And it says, If you notice, a lot of content which becomes viral has a very high emotional quotient to it. And usually, the higher the negative emotional quotient, the higher the value of shares as well. So anything which is anger-inducing, outrage-creating, you know, anything which spreads a lot of condemnation, indignation, will spread very fast. Whereas the happier things, the more, the softer things, the gentler things will spread more slowly. I'm deliberately focusing on that which will spread more slowly because it has what I call the legacy effect versus the viral effect. People may not remember the exact piece of content which led them to my profile or led them to my blog or led them to my website. But they'll remember that something about what she said resonated with me. 
and that is what has brought me to this person not the fact that she was grabbing eyeballs or creating viral content or creating a content with an intention to gain a certain number of 2500 views or whatever it is it's more the content itself which is a receptacle and not the virality of it and now i'm going to touch upon what you mentioned right and i've been following you on social and that's really how we came to know of each other and mm-hmm. i really do admire the way you're quick to try a lot of new ways of serving your audience right and and it is truly in service of the audience not really just new ways for the heck of it but to see okay is this is something useful but you're also equally quick to stop change recalibrate so what drives that i have to say i think it is my understanding of how the growth mindset works and i learned this myself when i was actually back in 10th grade that teacher back in 10th grade for opening me up to the possibilities of trying something and not limiting myself by saying i can't do this so let me try that was the what she told she says you may not be able to do it i'm not saying it's a magic pill but she says at least you can try so what trying will do is it will help you understand if it is a limitation in your mind or if it's a limitation in the system if it's a limitation in the project itself because if it's a limitation in the project you can't do anything but if it's a limitation in your mind you can work your way through it so why should you allow something as silly as a temporary belief to stop you from exploring your greatest potential i think that's one thing that i've always kept in mind so this is back when i was 16 so pretty much like almost 30 years ago it has stayed with me throughout so it's helped me really understand and it it also came in very handy when i was teaching students because i was hired as an instructor for verbal ability and verbal reasoning for all these management exams but i also ended up teaching logical reasoning and a little bit of data interpretation because i have that mathematics background as well so we never know when these little turns in the road actually help us on the long path of life and i think that's something we should never let go of now, the ability to grow the ability to admit that sometimes you could be wrong and like you said recalibrate reassess and say i tried something it worked to some extent this part of it didn't work so i'm going to just readjust and figure out how things will go from here on out so that's that's what i think really helps that's really powerful because when your goal is just to give it your best shot and you're saying this is mm-hmm. all i want to do is try and see where it leads me rather than saying okay i want to do this really well and i want to succeed and i want to be the best in it and this that kind of pressure which then prevents you from rolling back or recalibrating because mm-hmm. the goal you've set is for something which you you feel that if i now don't attain it i am a failure or i have exactly. failed right but mm-hmm. when the goal is just to try and give it your best shot and see where that takes you then i can see how that helps you say okay i tried this it was really useful for the last 6 months and now i think it's time to look at something else right and as context to the listeners things that i'm talking about here are really i've seen you do facebook groups very mm-hmm. intentionally i've seen you do small group workshops i've seen you do larger webinars then small group coaching one is to one coaching different platforms itself right there was pinterest which was really working well for you you tried it it worked well and there was a point in time where you were able to say hey i want to move on because yeah. the goal is not to be perfect at everything but 
kind of give it your best shot and what is it that serves me now that's very useful and and really kudos to the teacher who could change a student's belief about math because that can be so limiting throughout life in your life that's um, the thing right you don't like you said you don't have to be perfect at everything right now or or, or at anything at all for that matter mm-hmm. or you may say that oh, for the next 3 years i'm just going to focus on my health i'm going to focus on my health i'm going to make sure that i'm eating better and sleeping better and i'm cooking better moving better and if that means that the business maybe takes a slight back seat meaning i won't earn as much as i would need to if i were putting in 12 hours a week or 16 hours a week but that's okay because i'm going to be putting in 10 hours a week taking care of my health because over and over what i've realized is once you have health it's easier to focus on other things in your business whether that's basic interaction with your customers you know delivering what you promised to them and of course even otherwise being a happy human being i feel all boils down to good health you're fully there and available for whatever you want to do very true i'm going to ask you about something that a lot of small brands small business owners really struggle with which you do very well is to be out there in a very transparent and vulnerable way right right because especially i see and and i'm wondering it's also something that solopreneurs who let's say run a product business right we are in in a service kind of offering those who run very 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 clear product businesses you're selling jewelry you're selling apparel etc etc and something that they do ask is what does it mean for folks like us what does kind of being intentional being transparent being vulnerable because we just have to showcase our products right so one of my long term clients is actually she has a textile business she has a textile business where she connects directly with the weavers in india so there's no middleman so she directly sources it from them sells the products and most of the profits go directly to the weavers and she said my objective is to try to showcase the value of what they are doing and of course to keep my business afloat and I'm not going to deny that money is unimportant but profit is not my primary intention so people who work with me from this perspective will understand when i teach them that i teach them how to bring that story so i ask them see this is your mission this is your mission this is your vision for your business how are you translating that into your content whether you're writing a blog post whether you're sending out a newsletter whether you're putting up an instagram post are you talking about that or i only saying new product in the stores today because how is that any different from the millions of other people showcasing their products and their merchandise it's not going to be any different because if you look at most of the product sellers i'm talking about the general population okay. most of the general uh, jewelry or art or uh, fabric thing it's mostly pictures of models pictures of people wearing it or pictures of the products themselves and a small description of what the product is and then maybe a price mentioned or they say send us a direct message for the price there's nothing wrong with that but the challenge there is you are literally doing what everybody else is doing so there's no way for you to stand out in a crowd there's no way for people to know who is this person running this business what is it that she stands for why is it that she so i keep telling people every once in a while you have to bring your story you have to bring a piece of yourself into your content it has to be there because people don't connect with the product people connect with the story behind the product so every single thing so storytelling is a very integral part of authenticity 
whether that's a service based business or a product based business it doesn't matter and the more stories you tell the more stories get shared so when you write a very heartfelt story about the latest product in your store maybe you can talk about if i'm talking about fabrics for example i'm talking about this particular weave let us say this ikat weave so let us say i talk about how this ikat weave has made its way from this particular heartland and then into the mainstream and what is the process that it's been through so you're bringing a story to the population you're no longer just saying a new purple and black ikat print for sale so just the understanding of what is a difference between a product being sold uh, sold and a story being told makes all the difference that's it so product sellers have to really become one with their content and for people who have a very huge team and for whom this is not possible you have to train your social media managers to do this so it should not just be here's a bunch of photographs put them up on instagram write the captions and then track the insights because anybody can do that and unfortunately even the age of the influencer is slowly waning you know there was a time when only celebrities were reach people would reach out to only celebrities for branding advertising hawking their products and things like that even just today this morning i was reading this beautiful article about the owner of mdh who passed away at the age of 97 and i believe he was asked why don't you use a bollywood stars to promote your masalas he says so what's the point of that he says i am perfectly happy promoting it myself because i make i am sourcing the ingredients i am grinding the powders i am so let me so he's got a very familiar that red turban you know the pearl necklace and those glasses so he was the face of the brand literally and otherwise he says i'd never felt the need to reach out to bollywood stars to promote promote a product so what, what would they know about the hard work that has gone into it So first there is the product then there is you the person who's doing the work then there is how you package the product brand it and you start talking about it then there is of course value of the product is extremely important meaning you really have to make sure that the product that you are selling is of the highest caliber because the minute that happens people will buy it and more importantly people will start telling other people about it to date a lot of my clients find me through word of mouth A lot of my clients don't find me through Instagram. They may hear about me in general through Instagram, but Instagram is not for getting clients. Instagram is for building visibility, building connections, and generally using it as a space to find other ideas. That's it. It is not a marketing platform. It is by nature not a marketing platform. Marketing has always been word of mouth and will continue to be word of mouth right through. So whether you're selling a service or whether you're selling a product word of mouth is extremely valuable extremely important and that is why my focus has always been on building connections not follower numbers building connections it's another problem that i have with the word follower itself because <laughs> it implies that we are leaders and people are following us which is which is incorrect you know we're all in the same boat we're all together So unfortunately and just like I remember uh, this beautiful book I read recently it's called Enough by Patrick Roan I think and he says there is this four letter word that I'm going to stop using we don't realize it's an abusive word we don't realize it's a bad word but I'm going to stop using it and he says the word is user he says is the worst four letter word in the marketing lexicon and he says it's because we're assuming because that is what they call drugs druggists right junkies they call use you decode this 
Why are we calling the people who are using platforms, who are using our services, why are we calling them users? Why don't we call them clients? Why don't we call them connections? Why don't we call them customers? Why don't we call them friends? Because the very semantics of the word users is extremely negative. And and the commodity almost. I think we have a lot of interesting insights for those of us who are running a business, building a brand, kind of trying to grow and not get overwhelmed in that process because of so many other things that you need to do apart from the core business that you're trying to create. One thing I'd like to touch upon is there are so many folks out there who would be listening who are not in this solopreneur game, but they are in a good organization. They've been working there for a while. They're middle management folks or senior executives. And they are also overwhelmed. They're also in this feeling of there's only 24 hours. I've got like a really full day's job, but everybody says, be a learner, network, create communities, be part. This just seems to be so much else that's asked of me. Are you there on LinkedIn? Are you a thought leader? When am I going to do all this? Where's the time and energy going to come from? I also have only 24 hours. So any words of wisdom for them who are not for them, the the other side, right, the the business folks, it feels like, yeah, you guys can talk about intentional and slow and pacing yourself because you don't have the regimen that a full-time corporate job comes with, right? So any thoughts on what they can do? Because they're being asked to do the same thing in different ways, right? Become the thought leader, be out there, etc. I wholeheartedly agree. It's a very different landscape for those who are having 24 by 7 or, you know, five-day week uh, full-time jobs. It's not going to be the same. However, there is one thing that I would like your listeners who are in that space to consider. And that is the fact that you can never do anything, everything that you want. Whether you are a full-time worker or whether you're a part-time worker or a self-business like me, You can never do everything that you want to do. And this was an insight that was brought home to me with incredible clarity through the book 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. It's a fantastic book and I definitely recommend that your listeners uh, pick it up, either listen to the audible version or pick up the paperback. I just finished the audible myself. So I love the way Berkman says, you can not possibly finish everything on your to-do list because The implication is that you can fit it in when you can't. It's just impossible. So the first understanding is acceptance that you cannot possibly do everything at once. That's the very first thing. The second thing is learning how to prioritize what truly matters to you and not just what matters to the world. So the world may say meditate, run, walk, read a book and things like that. But do you want to make the time to meditate, run, walk and read a book? Because if you don't want to do it, all of the advice, all of the recommendations and all of the insights from self-development books and gurus are going to be just that. They're going to be tips and hacks, which you're just needing, passing it by. And there's nothing wrong with that either. So the question here is, what are your priorities? For instance, I know I know a working woman. She is a, she is a working mom. She has a full-time job with an MNC here in India. But the one thing she never compromises on is her reading habit. Hmm. She will not compromise on her reading habit. She says, even if it means I'm spending my entire weekend staying home, not stepping outdoors, but only reading books, read three or four books every weekend, 
she says i will make time for that because nothing gives me more joy even more joy than my job than reading a book does so what do you say to so you can say oh you are but you are not making time for exercise you can always make that woman feel bad saying oh you are not making time for exercise how can you feel fulfilled but she says you know what right now exercise is not on top of my mind my right now my mental health is on top of my mind my my peace of mind is priority and that i get through books so that is the thing that you need to know so if you decide that you want to do something it should be something that you have decided to do based on your level of priority not on a priority level imposed by society that's the very first thing that i would say so number 1 let go of the understanding or let go of the expectation that you can do it all because nobody can do it all it is impossible there will always be something which you will not be able to finish reading something which you will not be able to finish doing the idea is to say oh i could not finish doing it but not with guilt but just a sense of acceptance that's the first thing second thing is prioritize what it is that you want to do based on what it is that you want to do not on what society wants to do that's extremely important because once we do this and here's the very interesting shift that happens once you start focusing on things that you want to do you notice you will slowly get pockets of time to do things that are expected of you as well for example one of my things every single day is my walk i just will not compromise on my walk my family knows my family knows that if you know the clock strikes 8:30 pm she'll be out the door 8:30 to 9:30 10 she's out walking but that means for me to finish my dinner by 7 o'clock because i need an hour and a half gap between you know dinner and so i don't expect anybody else in the family to do it for me it is i am going to have dinner ready on the table at 7 anybody wants to eat after this they can heat it up they can eat it they can do whatever they want with it but my role and responsibility ends there if i were to get into micromanagement mode and start saying i have to be there at 8:45 when my family is eating dinner heating up things then my schedule is also going to go off track okay the second thing i started doing was once i started prioritizing spending more time with books and less time on the phone almost automatically my tv watching habit dropped so i was watching watching too much i was maybe watching one and a half two hours a day but ever since i stopped making the phone a priority and i started reading more books interestingly my tv habit is completely stopped i just don't feel drawn towards it exactly so all of these things take time we don't realize it but all of these things take time during the day so you may say i don't have time you know i have a catering business i have to keep my house clean gets to all of that but the question is what can you if you remove a little something from your life you're making space for something else what do you want to remove and what do you want to make space for that i cannot tell you that has to be the decision of the person who is actually living that particular day and believe me i know for a fact that women with very young kids have a very different situation than women with grown kids or teenagers because most of those situations kids are self sufficient you are not running behind them you are not taking care of things but having said that there are still things that even a woman with a very young kid can do at that point though her priorities will have to shift and probably revolve a bit around the child and the child's needs but it's not always going to be that way and that's something i want people to remember it won't always be that way it will become better as time you know goes on i think that is important that there are phases so what is your priority today what's important today what's taking up your time today that's not permanent 
and to add to that if like you said you figure if you acknowledge that i can't do all 20 things in this phase of my life right maybe a few years later i will do two three of the things that i want to do this time i will pick something that fits in with what my schedule is now makes it easier on you everyone around you and i think it also gets done exactly exactly it's been wonderful i can't believe we've been chatting for an hour <laughs> i know i just looked at the time myself it's yeah. amazing <laughs> lovely lovely again wonderful to have you lot of beautiful insights and i think importantly you do really really exude this feeling of how you can be calm you can slow down and not lose out on anything at all and you only have lots to gain right in Absolutely. today's world so thank yeah. you for sharing that so authentically with all of us as your audience not followers but your audience <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank you, you for making that distinction i really appreciate that and thank you so much shubha it was an honor to be here and i hope your listeners enjoy listening to this particular episode as well great thank you so much bye okay. bye for listening till the very end we hope you enjoyed the conversation if you'd like to leave us a note about the episode please do write in at connect@raincraft.in or drop us a voice message at speakpipe.com/raincraft all the details about our guest today and how you can find us on social media are available in the show notes so please do have a read and catch you next time